0: Do you love to write? Have you ever thought about writing a book yourself? If so, listen up. Hi, this is Candy O'Terry, and welcome to the story behind her success. In the spotlight, a woman who writes for a living. In fact, she's a wordsmith who offers writing services to others like ghostwriting and editing and proofreading and content for social media, marketing services, websites, and so much more. She's also the author of three award-winning children's books and a new series called King's Day Out. Today's guest is in love with writing because, well, as she says, words are my gig. Her name is Maggie Van Galen, and this is her story. Maggie, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you, Candy. I'm so excited to be here. I'm
0: excited to talk about your books, which are laying out all over the table today. How did your love of writing begin?
1: I used writing as sort of an escapism as a teenager dealing with teenage stuff, (laughs) and I would write in my journals and that type of thing. I had a fantastic journalism teacher in high school that turned me on to writing for a purpose, and it all kind of started from there. Isn't
0: that so interesting? Because as soon as somebody says, you're really good at that, it's kind of like a vitamin pill, isn't it?
1: It absolutely is.
0: And I'm imagining you as a teenager kind of going through those teen years, and you had a journal in your room, and you just started writing.
1: Yeah, I had one of those diaries with the little lock. (laughs) (laughs) I kept it under my bed, and I would pull it out, and I would just start writing. Do you remember the first story you ever wrote? So as a child, I believed that there were these little people that lived in my heat vent in my room.
0: This is awesome. I, you are a first. This I have never heard before. Continue. So
1: I have a memory of a, you remember the gold book bound of children course. books? Yeah. Okay, so I think, and I have yet to find it, but I think that there is a storyline about the tinies, if I remember correctly. So in my bedroom, I sort of recreated that similar thing and we had the heat grates that you could pull the top off of. And it went down into the furnace and I would leave them like little spools of thread and little crumbs and little whatever tools I thought they might be able to use in their tiny village. So I created that little story in my head.
0: And that to me says, okay, this girl is going to end up writing children's books. You are from (laughs) northern Michigan. Can you describe your hometown? What was life like there?
1: Very small. I graduated with 25 people, the same 25 I started kindergarten with. It was a public school. It's still that big, <laughs> or that wow. small. Depending That's the how you kind look of it town
0: it. where everybody knows your business, right? Oh
1: yes, before you've even done it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Can you share a little bit about your childhood and what life was like in your house?
1: I grew up kind of an only child. I have a brother and sister, half brother and sister, but they were much older, so they weren't home. I grew up in a very rural setting, and so. To entertain myself as a child, I did things like I had the most awesome mud pie bakery and would take all my mom's pots and pans and take them out. And much to my grandfather's chagrin, I would cut the flowers tops off of all of his flowers (laughs) to decorate. Of
0: course, because a girl needs to have flowers on her mud pie. Duh. Of course. (laughs) Of course.
1: So, yeah. Thankfully, my mom wasn't much of a baker, so the baking tins were fine
0: out in the garden. They weren't in constant use. Let's put it that way. Who were your role models when you were growing up? You talked a little bit about that teacher later on, but who were your role models?
1: My father actually was an amazing raconteur. He could tell stories until the cows come home. He passed away when I was 25. So he's definitely one of my role models. I would say that Mr. Vance, who was my English teacher, he was amazing. And then my journalism teacher.
0: I always like to ask my guests who are writers and authors, what was the book that you wore out when you were a child, your favorite children's book?
1: So, Trumpet of the Swan was one that we, of course, read wherever we went, and that was one of my favorite stories.
0: You attended Michigan State University. You majored in advertising. I can't wait to talk about that with a minor in creative writing. At that time in your life, did you know what you wanted to do with your life? I thought I did,
1: <laughs> of course. So, yes, I went to Michigan State. Having gone to such a small high school, I wanted to be nothing more than a number. And I was. I still remember. it. I was 1076 That's my college ID number. I was so proud of that. Nobody knew me. I actually went into Michigan State with the goal of going into journalism. And that was my declared major when I started. Somewhere along the line, someone told me I'd never make any money as a journalist and I should switch to advertising.
0: So I did. I kind of wish I hadn't, but I did. Was the plan to start out as a copywriter? Yes. And did you do that?
1: I did not because when I graduated from Michigan State in 91, all of the advertising agencies around Michigan State were linked to the automotive industry because Detroit was right down the road. And the automotive industry crashed Therefore, there were no jobs.
0: Devastating. Right. Especially since someone had said to you, hey, you're not going to make money as a journalist. Go into advertising. And then all of a sudden, that highway is closed for you. You did spend 10 years in the corporate world. Can you describe that part of your career and the lessons that you learned at that time?
1: Yeah. So since I could not follow my dreams of copywriting, I ended up in sales for an IT company based in Detroit. It was a great learning experience in the sense that I was a very young woman in a very male-dominated industry, and I had to learn how to produce in that way, how to be heard, how to get my point across, how to overcome the looks when people saw me as a 22-year-old young woman right out of college. Thankfully, I had a manager who was a very strong female role model, So that helped.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm also wondering, you know, now that we know what you do, did it help you that you had been in sales and had to be that brave person who's making a pitch for someone who's just going to say, no, 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 no. There aren't enough no's in sales, let me tell you.
1: Right. Absolutely. Well, I think a couple of things. One is having a business background is kind of like working in a restaurant, like everybody should do it because it provides you with so many insights into people, into the way the world works. But yes, I think creative people have a tendency to fall into that starving artist category and they're not worthy of making money or their art is not good if they're making money. They fall out of the artist category. I think it helped me to see value in what I do and Put a price tag on it. At
0: some point, you made the decision to focus on your passion, writing. Did you wake up one morning and just say, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm turning the page and I'm going to start what I love.
1: I'm not a really good rule follower when it comes to working for other people. And that became very evident very early on in my career. So from sales, I went into marketing. I moved to London and worked at The Economist doing sales there, not writing. And then I had a child. And that's where it all changed.
0: So interesting you should say that, because for so many women who've been featured on this program, motherhood changes us in such a deep way. Can you talk a little bit about how motherhood changed you? In every way possible.
1: From a career
0: perspective,
1: I started telling the stories to my oldest son, and that's kind of how it came about. I always say I'm a storyteller before I was an author. This first book, The Adventures of Kino and Ernest, The Banana Tree, was the first
0: story that I made up for him. What's your son's name? Luke. So I'm imagining you telling your stories out loud to Luke as a child and then saying to yourself, Uh aha, I need to write this down and start writing a book. It didn't happen that way. Tell us.
1: (laughs) Yeah, Luke and Dylan are my children, my two boys. The characters, Kino and Ernest, are actually my dad's characters. So he would tell me stories as a child about the adventures of Kino and Ernest. And I remember that there were like seven different adventures. I remember that Keno was naughty and Ernest had to get him out of trouble. But I don't really remember the plot line or anything else that went along with the story. So when Luke was born, we were living in London. I created my own story around Kino and Ernest. And, of course, with my dad's stories, they were all action-adventure. I had to add some morals and some life lessons in there, of course, being the mom that I was. So I would continually tell these stories and made up new ones and different ones. And then when Luke was going into preschool, they had the bring your parent in to school day and talk about what you do. So the firefighters and nurses, teachers, whatever. And Luke said to me, Mom, you have to come in because you're the best storyteller ever. And that's what you do. And of course, you know, knife to the heart, I was like,
0: oh, my God, of course. (laughs) He sees me. He knows me.
1: (laughs) He's been listening. And his teacher, Mrs. Henderson, said to me, this is phenomenal. You need to write this down and you need to get it published. There's lessons in here that we can teach the kids. There's life moments that are great educational pieces. And I had my younger son, Dylan, in diapers behind me, and there was zero light at the end of my tunnel. So I thought, great idea. I'll tuck that one away. (laughs) But I would go in every year and tell the stories. And when Dylan was in kindergarten, I did the same thing, went in and told the story. And his teacher, Mrs. Harding, said the same thing to me. You need to get this published. And if you are interested, my best friend is a classically trained artist. I said, you know what? I have three hours to myself a
0: day. Why not? So, you know, what really blows my mind about your story is that throughout the course of your life, you have been reminded by other people of how good you are at what you do. What took you so long to get there?
1: Well, when I sign my books, Candy, I always say, always follow your dreams. And I think that sometimes the dreams aren't always right in front of you but you have an idea of what they might be. Life takes you in different
0: directions. Well, these books, The Adventures of Kino and Ernest, The Banana Tree, The Diamond Mine, and A New Friend have all won the Mom's Choice Awards. Congratulations. Thank you so much. It is very scary to leave what you're doing to make a living and then to start on a brand new path because along with writing these books, you are also an entrepreneur. Will you tell me how you were able to make that switch and create this new life for yourself? Prior
1: to COVID, what I would do with my books from a business perspective is I would go in and do school readings. When COVID hit, that came to a stop, obviously. I, I belong to a women's group called the Women's Business League, and I was one We of th-
0: love the Women's Business
1: League. Oh, me too. I was one of the first 5 members sitting around the table.
0: In fact, they are supporters of this program.
1: I have been a member of WBL since its inception. One of the best decisions I've ever made. But I was sitting at a bar in Newburyport with Amy and Melissa. Which is
0: where some of the best decisions are made.
1: Exactly. I was slightly complaining about the fact that my business platform had disappeared with COVID. And Amy said, you are a phenomenal writer and you help everybody and you give it away. So stop doing that. That's your new business platform. I offer content writing for websites, social media platforms. I write primarily short form. My brain works in short stints. That's why I'm a children's book author and journalist. There's a beginning, a middle, and an end right in front of me. But I have tons of contacts that are long form writers. And I offer author consulting. I had a lot of people that would always come to me and say, I have a book idea. What do I do? I could talk for hours about what to do and what I've done and the lessons I've learned. I did a brain dump, five steps, what you can do. And then if you need more information, I can give you that too, and I'm going to charge for it. It's evolving over time, and there are certain things that I'm learning that I don't want to do, certain things I'm learning that, oh, I really like that, I'll do more of that.
0: So let's say that there is a listener out there who's got a children's book That they've started writing and they have no idea what to do to get that into the hands of a literary agent or to a publisher who's accepting submissions without literary agents, which is, by the way, very rare. They should go to my website. Which is MaggieVangalen.com. Correct.
1: I offer a free 30-minute consultation where I can answer a lot of those questions. And then I have basically an author's worksheet that I give away for free that has those five steps. And I always say to people, the first is, what is the goal? Do you wanna be the next Tom Clancy or the next Dr. Seuss? Or do you just wanna see your words in print, like have a family legacy that you can leave behind? Or is it somewhere in between? And the second thing I always tell people, and this is so key, get your stuff copyrighted. I just like to err on the side of caution. It doesn't cost a lot. You can do it yourself. You don't have to have a final manuscript, but get yourself copyrighted so you don't walk into a bookstore and see your story with somebody else's name attached to it.
0: Right now, I am taking a look at your new series, which is called King's Day Out, and it's something that you have done as a co-writer with Dr. Amy Whedon. Can you talk to us a little bit about the series?
1: Absolutely. I'm so excited by this. Amy Whedon is a doctor of pediatric occupational therapy. King is my dog through a series of events that included me taking him in the car through the car wash. And a friend of mine whose son has DUP15Q, which is a duplicate chromosome disorder. And it presents a lot of different ways. But one of the main characteristics is there's a lot of sensory processing challenges. So everybody processes senses differently, sound, sight, feel, touch. Fast forward, I'm having coffee with Dr. Whedon about something completely different. We got on this subject, and she said, oh, my God, this would make a great book. There's a lot of how-to books. There's a lot of caregiver information books, but there's not a lot of read-along stories for kiddos. So we decided to create a book where basically the hero of our story is Ben, and Ben is a boy that suffers from sensory processing challenges, and my dog, King. They go on everyday adventures together. King is nervous about the adventures that they're going on. And Ben teaches King how to overcome his fears and anxieties with the tools that he's learned in OT. So it's a great partnership because I write the words and Amy lays over the OT lens. And the series is really endless because our tagline is empowering kiddos as they navigate life's adventures.
0: You talked about your dog, King, in the car wash. And so we do have King's Day Out, the car wash. We have King's Day Out. King takes a bath, which is always very exciting if you've got a big dog in a bathtub.
1: Correct. (laughs) And actually, bathing and personal hygiene for kiddos with sensory processing is a huge challenge. So we are trying to address all of the different things that may have sensory challenges in a way that... Ben can help King overcome
0: his fears and anxieties. Tell me what it was like when you first held your book in your hands.
1: The first book that I produced, The Adventures of Kino and Ernest, The Banana Tree, the goal was really just to see my words in print. That was my goal, to leave a legacy for my kids, to have something that my dad wasn't able to give me, which was something hard copy that I could take from generation to generation. And I think that the UPS man thought I was absolutely insane because at 3 p.m. I knew he arrived and I was out on the front porch like a little kid at Christmas, jumping up and down, waiting for my package to arrive. It's a
0: moment, isn't it? It is a moment. How do your books come together, particularly now as we look at King's Day Out?
1: I actually write my books backwards, which maybe sounds strange, especially with The Adventures of Kino and Ernest. I have an idea for a moral or a life lesson that I want the kids to learn. And then I work my way back to figure out what adventure Kino can go on and how Ernest can rescue him and then back into the beginning kind of thing. So I write these books backwards. (laughs) I do a bit the same with King's Day Out because we have a general idea of what we want the adventure to be. Taking a bath, getting a haircut, first day of school, thunderstorms, fireworks. There's so many sensory
0: events out there. The mine is rich for this series, isn't it? And that's why you've created your own company around it, right? Correct. We've created an LLC around it. King's Day Out
1: is different. King's Day Out has such a reach and can help so many kiddos. And that's really what we want to do. As soon as we produced the book, within a few months, we started getting We Want More. But not necessarily And we want more books, we want more resources, more information. So we developed the KDO Partner Program, which spun off of the book and led to the formation of the LLC. So the KDO Partner Program is an extension, and basically it's two arms. One is to raise money and support and offer resources for organizations that provide research and offer family support for kiddos that have Severe sensory processing. So for example, the Duke fifteen Q Alliance is an organization that raises money for the research and funding of chromosomal disorder. So they're one of our partners and we give fifteen percent of every book purchase back to them. We're working with the local CPACs. CPACs are the special education parent advisory committees. Same thing, fifteen percent back. We have a private Facebook group where they can talk and have a safe space to exchange ideas. And then we went another arm as well and we developed the KDO professional program because Amy's expertise is amazing, but it is OT specific. So we looked at bringing in other professionals that can offer support in other ways. So for example, we have a law firm that specializes in special needs estate planning. We have an advocacy program that teaches parents and caregivers about advocating for their children. It's been amazing, and we're so excited to see it start to take off.
0: Well, you should see your face light up when you talk about this. (laughs) And I guess that's going to lead me to my next group of questions, because I do believe that when we find what we love and what we're so good at, doors just start opening up all over the place. Talk to me about what you wish you knew when you first got started. If you really enjoy something, then
1: you just push through. My son just switched his major in college. He said it's so much easier. And I said, well, when you're doing something that you really enjoy, it's not meant to be difficult. You may have difficult times, but the general meat of what you're doing should be fun and inspiring and fulfilling. When an obstacle is in your path, how do you get around it? As I've gotten older, it's gotten easier, and the obstacles become surmountable, (laughs) I guess. I love Robert Frost, and The Road Not Taken is one of my all-time favorite books. When I look at obstacles, I look at it from that perspective. So two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and I chose the one less traveled by. And that's kind of how I look at obstacles. So look at them. Is there a way around them? Maybe it's not an obstacle. Maybe it's an opportunity. Like, just try to take a step back, look at it, evaluate it, and make a decision from there.
0: What's the best piece of advice you've ever received? And can you share that with our audience today?
1: You don't have to follow the herd. Be your own person.
0: Stand up for yourself. Final question. And Maggie, I want to thank you so much for being our guest on the story behind her success today. Right now in this chapter of your life, what does success mean to you? Success means that
1: I am being valued for what I'm worth. And it is, from a writing perspective, for the first time ever, it is starting
0: to look that way. And it's really exciting. I want to say thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. This has been great. And that's the story behind her success for this week. My thanks to Maggie Van Galen. Find out about her writing services and her award winning children's books at Maggie Van Galen. That's dot com. Follow her at Maggie Van Galen. I'm always on the lookout for the next woman to profile. So if you know someone I should feature on the show, will you please let me know? Just go to my website, com. That's candy with a Y o-t-e-r-r-y dot com. I'll have a new inspiring story for you next week. What's your story? I can't wait to hear it.